Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I want to start with something funny. I heard about this man who was the only Protestant in a large Catholic neighborhood. And every Friday during Lent, while his neighbors were eating cold fish, he was in his backyard grilling a steak. Now the Catholics couldn't stand the temptation and the beautiful smell, and they decided to try and convert him to Catholicism. He finally agreed. A priest came over, sprinkled water on his head, and said, You were born a Baptist, you were raised a Baptist, but now you are a Catholic. The next year, on the first Friday of Lent, they smelled the same smell. They rushed to his house. The man was in his backyard sprinkling water over his steak, saying, You were born a cow, you were raised a cow, but now you are a fish. <laughs> Oh, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> it was a good one for a change, was it? That's what I was going to say. Let's uh, welcome our, our, our visitors from uh, around the globe on, uh, on live stream. Welcome today uh, to our church and to our family. Hope you are blessed today. Amen. Amen. So we're in the middle of this Heart for the House uh, series, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving loving the church. I'm loving what Jesus loves. He loves the church. He gave his life for the church. So I'm loving to kind of look at what the church is, who we are, and what we do. And last week, just a little review, last week we talked about generosity. Generosity. And, and I said if there's one word that could express who we are as a community, it would be generosity, being generous, a generous people. And I don't say this just in the sense of finance, although you're very generous in the sense of finance. I'm really talking about the whole thing of having a generous heart because we know that our heart determines, bless you, our actions. Our heart determines our action. And so if our heart is generous, then our lives are generous. Then we have big hearts. God loves us to have big hearts. In Proverbs 11:24, it says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And the one who blesses others, abund one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. That's a wise saying from Solomon, isn't it? Proverbs 11:24. God wants us to have generous lives, that our lives would overflow in, in exuding and giving of love and of goodness of, to other people, to help other people have bigger lives. How are you doing? Are you helping other people to have a bigger life? That's my job. I, I love doing that. I love helping people. That's why I do this job. I love you guys to have bigger lives. That's my whole purpose of living. My own, my own slogan, my own mantra, if you like. If you ask me, what do you do? What's your vision? Is to say, growing sons to release the kingdom. And sons is, of course, generic, sons and daughters. Growing sons to release the kingdom. And, of course, sons become fathers. And I'm very aware that I'm a father now, not just for my own kids, but also for kids in this house. And just you become a father, right? When you get a bit older and a bit wiser, you know, you become a father. So we're growing sons to, to release the kingdom and also growing uh, fathers. And I, I see this generosity in our community. I, I'm so blessed by the generosity in this place of giving time and talent and treasure 
every, everything that you do, encouragement. I love how loving people are in this church. Somebody came the other day to our church, and they said, your church is way too loving. <laughs> Serious, they said, it's actually a compliment, but they struggled with it because they were not in the, in the place to actually receive that love. Amazing, isn't it? But they say, you're doing a good job. It's just that you're way too loving, you know, and way too generous in your loving, which I think is the most wonderful compliment that I think anybody or any church could ever get. Now, what I love also about this place is that we are so generous in worship. If you love God, and when you love God, you know, it, 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 love, love expresses itself in generosity. So it's so wonderful that we can actually just love Jesus. I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? And I love to express my worship to Jesus. I had an interview this, uh, this week. Uh, somebody from the Evangelism Network uh, came to why, why is all these salvations happening in this church? It's like not the trend, really. And so they would come here from our church and say, what's going on? So I had an interview with him for one and a half hours. And he was just he was blown away by some of the things that we do. And I was blown away by the way he wrote things about us, you know, because it's going to be an article that's going to be sent to all the churches uh, about, it's called Harvest at Harmony. And I thought, well, how wonderful. And the only thing we talked about, he says, why is this all happening? I said, because of the community that we're becoming. And we'll see this today in the early church. The same thing happened there. It's amazing. The way we're becoming, I think it's all about identity. People feel good about themselves. They love Jesus. They feel they're strengthened in their faith, you know. They know they're on the fivefold ministry, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. You read the article yourself. We'll probably release it uh, sometime. And it says, that's why we see so many people come to Christ. So many, it's so wonderful. It is our culture. It's our community. That's why I love the church. There's nothing like the church. There's nothing like this body. It's amazing. It really is amazing. And I love being in it. I mean, I know I get tired. We work very hard. Actually, we were meant to have a break. The kids went to Hillsong this week. So we sent up to Hillsong and said, you go to Hillsong. And although we'd love to go to Hillsong, but said, no, I can't afford everything. So just you guys go, and we invest in the worship for you guys, you know. So Fabian, Johnny, and Saskia went to Hillsong, and we stay at home nice and quiet so we can go a few days to Hamner or just relax. The whole week we were working. The whole week we had stuff happen through the church and people's lives that they want to talk to us and pray with us. And somebody came and somebody called and somebody this. And so, oh, we should have gone, Catherine. Just go away because if they go away, you turn off your phone, they can't get you, right? But the thing is, though, it is our lives, our lives. But the thing is, though, the good thing about it, sometimes we get tired, but the good thing about it, it is really also my hobby. Come on. I am a Christian. I love being a son of God, and that's all I do, you know, being a son here and a father, you know. So I love doing this stuff, aren't we, Catherine? So it is part of our... <laughs> Catherine needs more breaks than I do, you know. I've got my spas. He hasn't got anything, so it's like, well, you got, you know, whatever. All good. So, so, um, so it, it's, uh, it's important that we... Um, that we are what? Help me. Oh, that's good. Thank you. That's at least something. <laughs> you know, the, re the reason why we're so generous is because Jesus is so generous. He was the most generous person who ever lived on the globe. He was the image of God. He reflected God. And God is pure love, pure generosity, pure everything. And so that's why we in our born again spirits, we're like that. And God is expressing more and more in our lives. You know what I love about Jesus? He spoke life everywhere. He created life everywhere. He was so generous in his words. Now, it's not the message today, but I want to go there for just a moment. I felt this week as I was preparing just to go there for a minute because it's so important in our lives that your tongue is so incredibly important. Proverbs 18, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, it's so empowering. Your tongue can be life and death. 
The way we speak and the way we bless people, the way we encourage people, it all can be bring life in the same way that when we talk bad about people, it can really be destructive in people's lives. That's why Jesus hates gossip, people behind. And please, in this church, if you have a problem with anything that we're doing here, come to Catherine and me. We won't bite you. We may not agree with you. But that's not the issue. The issue is that please don't backbite. Don't, please don't go talk to somebody else. We don't do this in this place. I hope you don't do this in this place. I hope you've grown up that we don't do this. That's, that's not a mature person. If you have an issue, go to your life group leader. Go to us and we'll talk about it. Amen? Because there's always two sides of the story and we can always talk about it. And maybe you're right. And maybe we can shape uh, something according to what you see. So please not, not, not have gossip. Bad talk behind us. Because it actually is very, very destructive. Because the tongue is very powerful. There's a lot of power in the tongue for good and for bad. Jesus always spoke healing generously. He always spoke with his tongue into people's situations. He forgave people generously. He spoke kindness. He spoke love. He spoke miracles. He spoke to that water and it turned into wine. Amen? He spoke to those fish in the boat, fishing on the wrong side, on the other side. He spoke that into being. Right? He spoke to those five loaves and two fishes. Boom! And they became so big that it fed 20,000 people and they had still 12 baskets left over. He spoke that. He spoke, he created this into being. He spoke to the fig tree, die, it died, it withered. There's so much power in your tongue. He spoke the Great Commission. And it's never stopped. The Great Commission is still going right now. People are getting saved in this church all over the globe more than ever before. It is amazing. He speaks things and it is so incredibly important. He speaks to mountains and they disappear. What is your mountain today? What is your problem today? Right? You know, I still meet people. They say, you know, they, they talk to, about the, they, they talk, um, I've written down. They speak to God about their problem instead of they talking to the problem about God, right? Do you understand the difference? We don't beg God to do something in our lives. Now, it's good to pray because it's good to have a relationship. But we have actually received the authority to do something about it. And so he says, don't ask me all the time. Do what I told you to do. Jesus, I hardly ever see Jesus say, Father, uh, please, uh, whatever. He always just speaks because he completely knows who he is. He has the authority to speak to mountains. He knows what God wants. He wants to see heaven come to earth. And he speaks it out. And he creates those realities. The authority to shift things is in your tongue. So I just want to encourage you. It's not the message today, but I want to encourage you because it's just another message. You know, you get two for one. The thing is, though, speak to those things. Speak to those mountains about God. Speak to those things about, you know, the, 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 the sicknesses, about what God has done. Jesus has already dealt with those things 2,000 years ago. By his stripes, we are healed. Our job is to speak it out. Our job through faith is to create health into people's lives, restoration into marriages, financing your life, whatever it is in your life. It is actually up to you. But anyway, it's not the message. I get excited about this message. But the thing is, though, it is so true. It's depending on us. God is not in control. You are. So do something about it. He's given you everything you need. And he'll help you. Don't worry. He'll go into the ring with you. It's not like you're on your own, you know. But he wants you to speak forth. It's just like Jesus did. And so a generous tongue is so incredibly powerful. Proverbs 10, it says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. His words of wisdom are the source of blessing. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. It is so important that we are generous. You know, I'm, I'm learning to be generous at the counter when I was at the supermarket. You can just go through, say hello, and go through and do your stuff. Or you can say, Hi, Madeline. How are you today? Yeah. You know, 
And they say something back to you. I say, well, I hope you're having a good day today and blah, 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 you know. Or you do something else. Remember the other day I had this? Remember a month ago, I think I shared it before. Somebody didn't have enough money. I said, I'll pay. What? Will you pay? Yeah, I'll pay. So I paid for this lady. So that, that lady who had not enough money because her card was not working and she had not enough cash. So I paid for it. But, you know, the thing is, though, then she left and she was blessed. But then, of course, the lady at the counter, she says, I've hardly ever seen this before. So she was blessed. Now, do you think it's going to go somewhere else? Absolutely. It's going to go around the place because that lady's going to go home. You know, somebody paid for me, you know. Wow. And then they're going to pay for somebody else. And then she, the lady at the counter, she will say, hey, what happened to me at, church, to, at work today, you know, in a supermarket. And somebody paid for that lady. And that is so awesome. Maybe we should pay for it. Anyway. See, that's why, that's why the world of, 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 the, of the generous gets bigger and bigger because it is something that God can work with, something that is a blessing that goes around. If you keep it to yourself, money, blessing, good words, whatever it is, if you keep it to yourself, it can't go anywhere, it can't grow, it can't accelerate, it can't go anywhere. But if you let it go, it's amazing what it does. And what comes around, goes around, comes around. See, it really does. Anyway, so that's a good message. And now I go for the real message today. <laughs> Let's take a break. Say how lovely you look next door. Say to your neighbor, man, you look lovely today. <laughs> generous in relationship. Generous in relationship. Generous in relationship. So I love, I love community. Today I want to talk about a heart for community. A heart for community. A heart for relationship. There's nothing like a community, and we have it here. There's nothing like a community who love and who care for one another. They love and care for one another, where people find belonging. That is the blueprint what God has given to us. That is the church. It's beautiful. I love the church. I love the early church, and we'll talk about it in a moment. There's nothing like it. You know, many people don't, are not in church, and many people have had a bad experience in church, so they don't really go to church, so they go to other groups, they go to gangs, and they go to, um, you know, rotary clubs or whatever clubs there are, and, and it's good, clubs are good, you know, but the thing is, though, it, it's, it's, it's fulfilling a, 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 a longing in their lives, but really, the ultimate one is the church, because that you have the God dimension in this thing that is just so amazing and makes everything so much more beautiful and so much more powerful, and so... Um, you know, it's so important that we love the church as a relational community. <clears throat> you know, we're made as relational people. We're not meant to be an island. Christianity is not a solo sport. We're in community together, and we love one another. You know, so many people are lonely. There's so many people out there who are so lonely. And it's so bad. I don't know what we've done to society. You know, we used to be, like when you go to Holland, and actually Europe, most of Europe, then of course there's a church in the middle of the city, right? On the town. Because it used to be the center of town. The center of my identity was with Christ and the community of the church, right? right. Now you go to the church, to, to, to Europe, and you go, and now it's a monument. The life is all around it, but there's no life in it. And so I speak every time I go to Holland, I speak into that because I prophesy the whole time that it will change again, you know? That whole will change, that the, the church would again be leading the community, you know, community life. But it's so sad what has happened. And people even sell churches, you know, and make houses out of it, even in, in, in New Zealand here. And it's, I don't mind doing that, but it's so sad of what really was meant to happen. What meant to be the life of the church, you know, is, is, has been lost. And so why are we so relational? Why were we made for relationships? We're made for relationships because we are made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. 
I, when I finished my master's of theology, my, my thesis was on this. How we are relational people in the image of God, the Imago Dei, is as relational. Why? Because God is fundamentally relational. Fundamentally relational. He is a relational community. Three persons. One in three, three in one. A divine community, a divine family. It's just beautiful. Perfect harmony, perfect shalom. Actually, the early fathers, they had a word for this called perichoresis. Everybody say perichoresis. Now, perichoresis is kind of the dance of the Godhead. It is like the, the interpersonal relationship, the flow of the family of God. It is what it says here. It is the continuing mutual interpenetration and indwelling of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Now, it's an amazing picture of, of God, of shalom, of relationship together, of family together, loving one another, serving one another. No orphan spirit or anything anywhere close. Perfect, complete love, rotating, serving one another. And the most wonderful thing is that we, as Christians, when we come to Christ, we are adopted into this community. And I, I see like this, this, this thing, you know, this fortress going into the community. And so the Godhead is here, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and now Gideon is with that. We're four of us. Wherever you go, there's four of us. I know it's the Holy Spirit here, but of course the Holy Spirit is the Father, Son, and it's all very complicated. Uh, but the Father and Son, of course, are in heaven, but through the Holy Spirit, He's here, and He's one, and He's not one. You know what I mean? You probably don't know what I mean. I don't know what I mean, so that's fine, you know, let's not go there. But that's the Trinity was actually not, the word Trinity was not in the Bible. But the thing is, though, the, <clears throat> the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is very much in the Bible, in this and we've been brought up into this Godhead, into the family of God as a son <clears throat> and a daughter of God. It is so beautiful. It's so powerful. See, God is love. Love is defined by relationship. You can't define love. Love by itself is nothing. Love has to be expressed. If I say, love you, Catherine, but I don't do anything, say anything, it will be nothing. It's meaningless. Love always has to be expressed. So the language of love is always generosity. When you're in love, you can't wait to give something. That's why when you're in love with Jesus, you give him something. You give him praise. You give him everything. You give him everything you have. And again, that's why I start every morning with Jesus. Have communion with him because I said, you are first in my life. I worship you and give you praise. I can't wait to love him in the morning. And you know, it's actually really good to get up then. When you get up, it's actually very exciting because I spend time with my lover. And it's just so wonderful. And then I go into the day and now I can love my wife much better. I can love my kids much better. I can love you much better. I can love everybody much better because I've had a wonderful time with my lover. And he's a very good lover. He never fails. He's always perfect, always kind, always faithful to me, and he's always faithful to you. Life is all about relationships. We were born out of relationship, into relationship. Out of intimacy, your mother and your father, out of intimacy, the act of intimacy, you were born. You were created, and you come out of intimacy, into intimacy, into a family. And then later on, you become a family, and you have intimacy. And you have other kids. And so the thing keeps going. It's all about intimacy. It's all about relationship. And then we talk about God. We're also born again, also out of relationship. We say yes to Jesus, and he comes live in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We become one with the Spirit, and we are born afresh out of intimacy. And then we're born into intimacy because we're born into this whole thing of oneness with Christ, this beautiful Holy Spirit, and the family of God, and the church. It's so beautiful. Isn't it powerful? Everybody wants good relationships. Everybody's looking for love, for meaning, for acceptance, understanding, family, significance, all these beautiful words. 
You know, and, and, and when relationships are good, life is good. But if relationships are bad, life is bad. We're made for relationships. And when it gets somehow compromised, it is really, really difficult. And life can be really, really hard. And that's what we see in the world. People are disconnected from God. They have a sinful nature. They're doing all this stupid stuff. And we've been doing the same stuff, right? And the thing is, though, that stuff is hurting us so much. And so they need life. They need the life of God. They need divine, divine order to come into every relationship of their lives. See, the essence of sin, do you know the essence of sin is missing the mark? But do you know what it means? The essence of sin is actually relational compromise. If, if everything, the way God designed it to be, if we do that, there will be no sin. Think about it. I thought about it a lot because I had the thesis, you know. But think about it. Relational compromise. When you have a diesel, and I've done it before, when you have a diesel and you put petrol into the diesel car, it's sinful. Why? Because it won't work that way. It was never meant to work that way. Sin is dysfunction of relationship. It will have a different relationship. It's meant to have petrol, sorry, diesel, and not petrol. That's why it's relational compromise is so strong. We were made for relational. We were made for relational harmony in all of our relational. Life is all about relationships. Actually, we are our relationships. You think about it. You take some relationships out of your life or all of them, what are you? Like all of you disappear right now, boom. What am I doing here, you know? What's this? <laughs> Like, there's no point at all, you know. About life, I go in my car, I go home, there's nobody there. And I go, it's nothing. Yeah. It's void. My kids, they went to um, Hillsong this week. And, um, and Catherine and I, I mean, not that bad this time. And we were on holiday one time when they left holiday. We, we both cried, which is terrible. <laughs> I know, it's very sad. But we cried. But even, even now, we're kind of like, it's very sad. I mean, we're kind of happy in the beginning because the house is by ourselves. And then after a while, it's like... <laughs> It's very empty, you know, this house. And some of you have had the empty house thing, you know. I know how you feel now. It's terrible because they left. But that's what happened to people. And some of you are in the middle of it. Your wife has walked out. Your husband has walked out. Here you are by yourself. It's terrible. It's not how life is meant to be. We're meant to have community, life, marriage, beauty, children. The good thing what we do every time now as uh, any of the guys go to a conference, what we've been doing it lately, and show the photo. We, when they come back, we go to the airport. We were there again uh, last night. And uh, see what happens. So yesterday, the guys came back. So we say, Fabian is my spiritual animal. I don't know. <laughs> Ellen wrote these ones. And uh, join us for loving family, your boys, whatever. I'm here for Saskia. You know, I did love my hotties, my kids. You know, I love my kids. Catherine, those are my children. And Fabian. So we are at the airport. So people, we're waiting there for half an hour. Everybody comes out, right? <clears throat> say it again. At midnight, by the way, often it's just, remember these planes from Australia, I don't know why they come at midnight, and I don't know why they go at 4 o'clock in the morning. Can't they have a normal time in the middle of the day or something? Anyway, so what's happening is, so we went to this thing, so we do it every time now. Now, I tell you, yesterday, that one lady came to me who works there, and she says, Gideon, she knows me for some reason, maybe I come to a conference. Gideon, do you know, I prayed for somebody today, and they got healed, one of my workers. Totally left field, you know, I said, that's awesome, you know. 
But then she says, I love this. You guys, this is a great name for Harmony, you know. She knows some Harmony, obviously. But all the stuff, you guys like this, you make Harmony great. What a great church to be part of that they do this kind of stuff to your staff and to your people who come back, you know. So we've been doing this all the time now when people come out. Even Matthew came out, guys. It's in the back. It's like, come on, this is like, that is love. That is generosity, you know, for him to go so late and to go out there. Aaron, it's just absolutely amazing. So it's so beautiful. Guys, we've got to steward our lives. We've got to protect relationship. I know there's a lot of pain, even in our church, through marriage breakdown. It was never meant to happen. It was never meant to be. Now we've got to restore and we've got to work through this. I get this. But we've got to protect our relationship like everything. Protect, enhance. What? God. Steward. It is so important, particularly five relationships. One is our relationship with God. Two is our relationship with ourselves. Three is our relationship with our church here. Four is our relationship with other people, the community out there. And five is our relationship with creation. And Jesus came to bring fullness of life into all these relationships. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the sa Satan does. And you can see it all over the globe, right? All over in our community. But I, he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And if life is all about relationship, then he came to bring fullness of life into all of our relationships. Amen? Now, and if that is the case, then the mission of the church surely is to bring harmony and to bring restoration and to bring healing to all relationships. Now, that's what I have here. Our vision is expressed in our word harmony. I love the word harmony. The whole harmony, of course, is, is about music, and I get this, you know, I love the term music, I love the harmony, body, soul, spirit, I love the harmony, the, 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 the Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, the perichoresis, all harmony. But what I also like about harmony is, it, is that, that our goal, our mission is really to bring harmony to all our relationship with God, with ourselves, with people, to find wholeness in every area of our lives, right? right? To bring harmony, health, health, wholeness in all our relationship is our mission, Amen? Amen. It's like a vision talk today. It is, because everything is about relationships. If everything is about relationships, then surely the vision of the church is then relationships, right? Healthy relationships, right? Now, we see this with Jesus. He was in Luke 4, and of course, he, he refers to Isaiah 61. He's talking about this whole thing of, um, of relational healing and restoration. Luke 4. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, if you go back to Isaiah, he refers to Isaiah 61. When you start reading Isaiah 61, it is absolutely beautiful because it's all relational. And I'll, I'll have a few on the screen here for you. Just kind of a little, um, a little um, synopsis, a few examples. There we go. So we see here, Isaiah 61, we see anointed to preach good news to the poor. Of course, good news is the whole thing about, um, you know, the good news of Jesus or the connection with, with God. Bind the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, comfort those who mourn, provide for those who grieve, bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair, to rebuild and restore the ancient ruins of people's lives, Instead of shame, a double portion of blessing. Instead of disgrace, rejoicing in inheritance. Bring everlasting joy, justice, clothing with garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. Everything is relational. Everything is relational in this thing. It's restoring our relationship. For the Son of Man, for Jesus, came to seek and save what was lost. Amen? 
That's his mission, so it's our mission too. Now, the beautiful thing is save what was lost. Save is from salvation, which is from the Greek soteria. And soteria means what? It means eternal life, relationship with God, but it means much more than that. It means soteria, eternal life. It means health. It means deliverance. It means preservation. It means restoration. It means shalom and in all that way. And so this is what we have for humanity. And this is, of course, for us then, what we do. This is what you do as the church. This is what you do as a Christian. This is what we do as the church altogether. Now, in order for us to get restoration and to be healed and be everything that God wants us to be, He then puts us into what? The church! Yay! We're in the church. He puts us into the church, the perfect place for us to grow in every dimension of what I've just been talking about. That's why I love the church. It's an amazing place because you can find healing in every relationship that you have. Your body, when you're sick, with God, each other, yourself, sorting out your mind, your self-talk. Are you nice to, you, to yourself? Are you horrible to yourself? Man, I could live like if you're somebody. I meet some people, you know, and the, the self-talk is destructive. How can you talk to yourself the whole day like this? I don't even know how they do it. Anyway, sometimes there's pain in people's lives, and so we can help them. And so we saw at Pentecost in Acts 2, we see this new community was birthed, was born. So here comes the Holy Spirit, the relator, the comforter, the healer, the restorer. He comes into people's lives for the first time. People are born again. The 120 were waiting for them. Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit. I'll build this new community. You receive power. Power for what? Yeah, power to go out, but power to live this life. Amen? Power to see all this relationship blossom and come back into <coughs> everything that God has intended for relationships. So here he comes into the people's lives. And man, it's full of generosity. It's full of life. It's full of healing. It's full of everything. Look at it says, Acts 2. Actually, why don't you stand together? You've been sitting too long. Why don't we read this together? It's the Bible. It may be the only Bible that you read this week. <laughs> not in harmony, I know, not in harmony, but I know some of you. Yeah, I get it. I know. Here we go together. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Amen. Those who are coming, maybe seated. Those who are coming to life, those who came into the life of God, into the life of the community, those who were being saved. This kind of community is unstoppable. David Riddell had a word for us a couple of years ago. This church is going to be unstoppable. Now he's talking of course prophetic not about our church only. It is the church. It is unstoppable when we live this way. It is unstoppable. It is amazing. When you live this kind of way, all this life comes to the church and of course we're going to get people saved. They'll come into this community and they will love it. 
It'd be so contagious. And no wonder we see a harvest even in our church right now, through your lives right now, wherever you go. Because this is the, the, the culture that we are creating. It is so beautiful because a healthy community will always reproduce. A healthy tree will always bear fruit. A healthy life will always bear fruit. And so a healthy church, our relationships will always bear fruit and reproduce. What an amazing community. Very quickly and then I'm done. A few things that were in this thing. We see the hearts were mutually linked together. Coming together regularly for prayer. Miraculous signs and wonders. Everything is relational. Can you see this? Fellowship as one body. Shared with each other what they had. Out of generosity, selling their own assets to give to other people. Daily getting together at church. Daily getting together at church. It'd be fun, interesting. Every day we get together at church, and every day they get together in other people's homes. I don't know how to do it all the time, but they have more time than we have probably. But they did it, didn't we? We do it every week. Good compromise. Celebrating communion together, sharing meals with joyful hearts and humility, continually praising God, enjoying favor with the wider community, daily salvations. Come on, this looks like a perfect church to me. It just looks like harmony. It just looks like harmony. I mean, come on, at least that's what we want to be, right? Come on, let's have a vision for our own church. It's your church, my church, our church, Jesus' church, actually. But he invites us in this whole thing. So let's be a life-giving place like this is. Every relationship is touched. Every relationship is changed. It is absolutely amazing. They got together every day in the temple course, the bigger picture. And then the smaller thing of life groups. Daily getting together. Now, we can't do daily. We do every week or some even every two weeks. Because we have a busy life uh, these days. But that's good. You know, even our church, the life of this church is in the life groups. It's in the connect groups. It's who you meet with together. It's not this thing. This one is for teaching, for accountability, it's for, 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 for uh, worship, and for uh, missions, and for all these big things that we have. <clears throat> but then we have the smaller ones, right? Because we need the smaller ones for relationship, and belonging, and accountability, and loving, and, and, and using your gifts, and growing. All these beautiful things. It's how we grow. It's how we serve one another. How we serve one another. How we love one another. Beautiful, isn't it? As the church grows bigger, we've got to grow smaller. It's just the way it is. And we invite you to select one of these beautiful people in the life groups. And we still need some more to start one. That's fine. If you want to start one, that's good too. But we want people to be connected in life-giving, life group and connect groups. And so to have a heart for the house is to have a heart for community, is to have a heart for relationship, is to have a heart for serving one another. And that's what Jesus did. You know, on the, on the last, last night, they had communion together. And he says, you know, one of you is going to betray me, and actually a whole bunch of them betrayed him. But even though they betrayed him, he was not, you know. Um, his identity was not into what they were thinking of him and what they thought of him and how they're going to betray him. He was going to serve them. And even though they would betray him, he took a towel and he washed their feet. This is the king of glory. This is the word, the eternal word made flesh. And he comes and he serves these red bags. Puts a towel and washes feet. That's amazing. What an incredible attitude. What an incredible way that we can serve one another in such a way. So Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. 
and to give his life. The ultimate sign of love and the ultimate sign of generosity. Philippians 2.5, in your relationships, we just talked about relationships now. In, our relation, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't it amazing? Now, one of the things I did not read in Isaiah 61, it says that God has called us to be priests. We are a royal priesthood, you're not a holy nation anyway. But even Isaiah, he says, priests and ministers of God. We are actually priests of creation. God has called the church, you and I, to serve creation, to serve people, to bring health to people's lives, that our lives would offer, that would serve to other people. And what a wonderful thing that is. And I pray that, that in our lives, we will become more and more this church that is serving our community, that is serving other people's lives. That we will lay our lives down for other people as Jesus laid his life down for us. And we will be known as a church that is loving and caring and generous and serving our community. Amen. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the amazing love that you gave through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, we thank you for the eternal life that you've put in our spirit. The eternal life of God, the Zoe life of God. Father, thank you that your life brings life to all of our relationships. Thank you, Lord, that it brings life to me, to us individually. Thank you, Lord, that you bring life to our marriages and to our kids and families. Thank you, Lord, that you bring life to our workplaces. Thank you, Lord, that you bring life to every part of our lives, even our relationship with you, Lord, because you are the life in us. In you, we live and have our being. Lord, we honor you and we give you praise. We thank you, Lord.